So Psalm 119, starting in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. And so um, we are on page three. Excuse me. Number two is uh, God's eternal faithfulness. That's the blanks. God's eternal faithfulness. And uh, that's Psalm 119, verse 90. Thy faithfulness faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. And so we just started this last week, and we looked at the thought. Uh, it's in my notes that God has been good since the beginning to every living creature. And America, listen, folks, we are still enjoying blessings in America because of the blessings God has given to this this people, this country, for lo these many, many years. And uh, I've said it before, I feel like we are living on the coattails of the previous generations that have been following God and and serving God in America, and we're living on the coattails of of God's blessing this country. And I don't know how much longer it's going to be. I'm not trying to be a, I'm sure I sound like a naysayer, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I... you see other nations, you see Canada and other people, other nations. And, um, you know, I, I hope that America, we don't lose our rights to worship God and to share the word of God without hindrance from anybody telling us how to do it. Um, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned for our country, the way we've been going. So uh, we just need to be th- uh, thankful for what we have at the moment. And uh, so God has been good since the beginning to every living, cre- living creature. So letter A It's there in your notes. Satan has sought to distort and twist the truth of God's faithfulness from the beginning, calling his good to them evil. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So after the record of God's creation in in chapters 1 and 2, you see uh, the serpent show up on the scene. And, of course, this is Satan at work here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And so you see there what Satan did. You know, God said, of, the, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but of the, of the tree that's in the midst of the garden you shall not eat of it, lest you die. Or I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but he told him you're not to eat of that tree, that one tree. And of course Satan comes along in the form of the serpent, and gives the, uh, the, the, the question, has God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Folks, that is spin. You know, the, the goodness of God. And listen, we don't, I, I doubt that we know the smallest portion of how good God's creation really is compared to Adam and Eve in the paradise of the Garden of Eden 
before sin came into the world. I doubt that we understand just how, I mean, we, we really understand only the world that we live in as far as creation goes. We don't know. We know it changed. It has changed since sin came in, and we'll look more at that later. But Satan's question is posed as, is there something that God's not letting you eat of? Listen, folks, he's still attacking people that way today. He's still attempting people with that which is which you do not have. How many Americans are constantly thinking that they don't have it good because they don't have something that they want? And, and how many Christians are, are in deep in sin right now today because they're constantly chasing after something that they do not have, that Satan has tempted them with? And, you know, there's a, there's a, a verse uh, in the New Testament where the Lord Jesus says that Satan has, and I, I don't have the verse, I'm sorry, but he says, Satan has come and he has found nothing in me. That's what the, the Lord Jesus was able to say that Satan said about him, but he comes and finds something in me and in you to tempt us with. And we're not going to talk about how often we fail. We're not going to talk about how often we do bite on Satan's temptation, on his bait. And every bait that Satan puts in front of us, just like he did with Adam and Eve, has a hook in it. Every single one. Brother Patrick? What's interesting here is she corrected him the first time. Right. Even though he yes. was wrong, right. she corrected him. She did not. She bought the second. Yeah. The well, second and there, there's a lot of things about this passage. You know, he says, uh, he, the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Now, this is this is an interesting thing. She said, God said this. God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, that's neither shall you touch it is not what God had said. He said, don't eat of that. Now, it's a good idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. Don't even go near that tree. Maybe that's what Adam said. Maybe Adam told her, look, God said, don't eat of it. Uh, you know, don't, eat, don't even go near it. Don't, don't, don't touch it. Maybe that's what Adam said. I don't know. But that's what she repeated back. God has said, don't eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent returns with, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. We've, we've looked at this before. But listen, folks, this is at the point in which the woman and Adam with her, we, that's what we find out just shortly here is Adam is with her. And Adam, I don't know, I, I can only assume he heard what Satan said to the woman. Either one of them should have stopped him right there and said, look, what you're saying is different from what God said. God said, don't eat of it, and, and, or lest you should die. And Satan says, you shall not die. We find out. Satan lied. <laughs> they did not die immediately, but God didn't say, specify how the death would happen. He just simply said, for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And, of course, the question from the skeptic would be, they didn't die that day. But as Brother Albie, I think Brother Albie mentioned this last week, the Lord said, the, uh, a day, uh, I'm going to misquote this too, <laughs> one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, the Bible says that Adam lived over 900 years. Methuselah lived 969, so he's the oldest man, but Adam lived over 900 years. But he, he died before a thousand years. So that would fit with what God says is, you know, what the Bible says with God is uh, is as a day. Yes, sir. Plus, plus, we have to realize that they didn't know at that time good and evil. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's something else to touch on here because he says, "Ye shall be as gods, 
knowing good and evil. Now, they very clearly already knew good. (laughs) The Bible says everything that God created from the first thing to the last thing was good. And then when God got to the end of it, he said it is very good. Now, what God's opinion of what is good and very good, it's a whole lot better than our opinion (laughs) about what good is. And so when God looked at his creation, was very happy with what he had made. It was very good. Now listen, they, when they committed this sin, right away they knew there was a problem. They did not arrive at some better place that Satan tempted them about. Things were not automatically much more wonderful than they were before. Things began going apart very quickly, starting with their own understanding of themselves and going on from there. And so we, we and we're going to get more into that in just a minute, Robbie. The, the thing about Shirley dying, they had the tree of life in the garden. Right. So without sin, they could have lived eternally. That's something you find out later on is that God sends them out of the garden. He says, lest they should take of the tree, uh, a tree of life, and live forever. And I think very clearly part of that is live forever in that condition, because we have salvation in Christ. And we will live beyond our death with him. So that is the correct or that's that's the right answer to the problem of sin. But living forever in this condition as a sinful man, a sinful woman, that is not the right answer. Yes, sir. Or the good answer. The other thing, too, is the devil knew that they didn't know right or wrong. Right. Well, he put doubt. That's what he does. Yeah. Doubt in Christ or in God. Yeah. Yeah. And he put doubt in their mind. Yeah. That and the next the whole thing Right. And the next time she looks at the tree, now it's seeing the tree the way Satan wanted her to see it. She said and it says in, in verse six, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and so immediately the way she thought of the fruit was different, uh, good for food, uh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And so that's what we're looking at here is that Satan has sought to distort and twist the truth of God's faithfulness. God had been faithful. Uh, and, and up until this point, they knew nothing of God except for his faithfulness. There was nothing to know of God except for how much he loved them and his creation. And everything was very good. But Satan, listen, folks, if he could tempt Adam and Eve in a perfect situation with something and they're not even sinners and them fall, listen, Satan is good at his job. And so here we are, <laughs> all the people in this room. And listen, every one of us is a witness to what sin can do in a life. Now, without picking up the papers or reading about some serial killer or something like that, something horrible and, and wretched and terrible, listen, every one of us can look in our own hearts and know that sin is a disaster. It's not just something to wink at. That's that the Bible says that's a danger just to wink at sin, just to not take it seriously. And listen, Satan is doing that in America today. How much of our entertainment is about winking at sin? Never take that that's something we need to counsel ourselves with constantly. Never take sin lightly. How about the quote unquote little white sins? No such thing. No such thing. Would it be okay for the Lord Jesus to commit a a little white sin? To to say what we call a white lie? 
Folks, there's no such thing. We need Christ to redeem us from the very smallest of sins. You see, as soon as Satan's perception managed to make way in their own minds and produce the fruit of sin, they needed a redeemer. I mean, right now, if, 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 you, if you ask the scholars, and we're talking about the, the elite of Americans' education, and if they could examine this passage and ask them, well, listen, what, what, what really happened here? If they could examine if we could surmise what the first sin was, would it be terrible in most of the American scholars' eyes what they did? Desiring the fruit of a tree that God said not to eat? This isn't murder yet. That happens with Cain, the very first son. Listen, by many people's eyes, what they did here was no big deal. Folks, we need God to lead our hearts and our minds. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. That's before it ever gets out into your hands, or what your eyes do, or where your feet go. The heart is desperately wicked. Every one of our hearts. <laughs> we need God to deliver us and to save us from our sins, but also to save us from a life of sin. Even if we've been saved already, we still need the Lord to deliver us from sin. Brother Alvin? Yeah, absolutely. Was ignorant compared to Adam. Adam Amen. Named all the animals. Yeah. Named all the birds, all that stuff. He, God let him do that. Mm -hmm. That would have to be an intelligent man. I mean, we can't even, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. How intelligent he must have been. No, here's, no matter how smart they are today, they couldn't name every animal in the world yeah. and, and put them in his place and all that stuff. No, I, I fully agree with that. And, you know, the thing is, is we don't, I don't, listen, I don't think we're meant to understand Adam and Eve before the sin, before, I think, I think things in many ways were dramatically different. I think the world was different. I think they were like God, but they didn't realize it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thought. I don't know. But uh, the, listen, here's the point. I think Adam and Eve lost, you know, a world of, uh, of gifts and blessings by committing the first sin. Um, and, and there's many things about this that, uh, that we could go on with. And so anyway, the first point is that Satan sought to distort and twist the, the truth of God's faithfulness from the beginning, calling his good to them evil. And so Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it's here in your notes. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And now we, we were just talking about Satan in the form of the serpent tempting Adam and Eve out of paradise. I, I, I don't know what else to call the Garden of Eden <laughs> besides a paradise. And so he tempts them into looking distrustfully at what God has said. And, uh, and listen, what we see in our world today is the fruit of many generations of people that are listening to Satan's lies. And listen, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the what? The fear of the Lord. The very instant that a, a, a person realizes, man, you know, I need God. How many of us, thank God, I, I got saved as a child, but how many people as adults had to have their lives completely wrecked 
before they realize, listen, I have messed everything up and I know I need God. Alice, I, I know that that's not an uncommon situation at all. I've got to turn these <laughs> uh, these notifications off. <laughs> you know that verse called evil good and good evil? And yeah. You talk about winking at sin. Mm-hmm. We're basically, we see that all the time when we're growing up. It, it almost makes you like be in, insensitive or desensitized toward the fact that you are a sinner. Yeah. So it puts a roadblock. Absolutely it does. being saved. Because you're winking at it. Right. You're learning to wink at it all. And, and, and that's another thing, too. I think a lot of people, when, when you talk about salvation, people think, okay, well, that must be for the really bad people. <laughs> Listen, it, the, the, the what we would think of as the most innocent child on the earth didn't need a Savior less than Hitler needed a Savior. The truth is, is everybody started, like the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except thee be born... Uh, I'm going to misquote it. There's not a verse that I can't misquote anymore. (laughs) John chapter 3. And let's see. John chapter 3, start in verse, uh, well, it says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And uh, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? Knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak what we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And, ye, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that cometh down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's what a lot of this world... Well, let me leave verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. And the point I wanted to look at is the fact that many people believe you have to do something bad to be condemned. The Lord Jesus, God's own Son from heaven, makes it clear you don't have to do something bad to be lost. We started out in that condition. Every man, every woman, every child on planet Earth were born not saved. And we need to have Christ redeem us. And the work has been done. Now it is up to mankind whether or not he will believe the truth. And that goes back to what we're taking a look at here, is that Satan is in the business of perverting what man sees in God. So that they don't under, they, you know, and, and that's the thing. I get so discouraged looking at our world today. 
And I think about the fact that children from a young age are having their minds perverted with such filth everywhere you look. It's not even it's not just in the in the cartoons or the or the things that they watch. I read something last week. I wish I hadn't read <laughs> about some the musicians and the music that they write. It's this utter filth. I mean, we're talking about big hits playing on the radio. I don't, I don't know any of them. I don't, I don't like Cardi B or any of these. I, I don't know one of their songs. But listen, for it to be so common that there's filth embedded in everything that our kids do and say. Listen, folks, it's very discouraging. And yet, God has his witnesses. And so Satan is stacking the deck everywhere you look. He's making it hard for people to perceive the truth. And except there be a witness that comes along and says, God has saved me. The Lord Jesus has cleansed me from my sins, and I'm clean through and through because of what he did. Except someone should come along and say, we need a Savior. And listen, it's not our words. It's not the, 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 the um, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word, eloquency of our words. It's not the power of our ability to, to debate. It's in the Holy Spirit. As He gives you the boldness to say something about what God has done, the Holy Spirit is in their heart saying, this is the truth. This is something you need. And so it's not our place to think that, and, and if you say something, they don't seem to respond to it. Listen, it's a seed planted. We're, our place is to scatter seed. Scatter seed. The seed is the gospel. A Savior has come. His name is Jesus. He's the only way that we escape hell. He is the only way to heaven. Listen, folks, we, we need to be faithful with this message. We need to share it with others. The Holy Spirit will use it everywhere it's scattered. And it'll be up to men whether or not they'll believe the constant inundation of lies everywhere they look or whether they'll believe the seed of truth that's given to them. Is there a hand raised somewhere? Father Patrick. You should not be eloquent, but I think it just occurred to me a little while ago, the thing that we can convey to the people, not being eloquent, is that God does love them. If they can, Amen. If they can understand that. Well, and, and here's the thing is that I've, I've, I've thought this so much. You see it in the Bible, but uh, you see it in life that some of us are crayons and some of us are fountain pens. But it's it's all in what God speaks through your life. You know, it's not just what you say. It's your and we've talked about this many times, but it's but it's your walk with God. And, you know, and, and some of us were, you know, if you, whatever, whatever your path that God has brought you out of or through, it's going to bring glory to God. That's the point. Our place is to bring glory to God. Our place is to say, God has helped my family. He's provided for our needs. He's rescued me at times. And the biggest thing of all is that he saved me from my, from my sins. He made all things new. His promise, promises to me are true. I'm going to heaven someday. By the grace of God. And our place is to speak the truth in love everywhere we go. And God will help us. And so letter A is Satan has sought to distort and twist, twist the truth of God's faithfulness from the beginning, calling his good to them evil. And so letter B, the truth is God has always been faithful to mankind and to individual men. That's, that's, we're the individuals. So God's been good to all of mankind, but his, my message is he's been good to Brett. <laughs> God has helped Brett. 
God has saved Brett. God has changed my life. He's making all things new. And again, the, if the life doesn't match, then, then the witness is, perver- is twisted. It's no good. And so the truth is God has always been faithful to mankind and to individual men, always meeting us where we are, often despite how rebellious we are against him. And so turn with me to Romans chapter 10. We're going to read more than what's in your notes. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We, we talk, I think we mentioned this last week or... Or maybe I remember for Sunday school or Wednesday night. So uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard or have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation will I anger you. But Isaiah is very bold. That's Isaiah. Isaiah is very, is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands into a disobedient and gainsaying people. And that last verse just, it, it says a lot. But to Israel, he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands into a disobedient and gainsaying people. And I, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen situations where somebody was ingracious or, or you know, not thankful for a kindness that was shown to somebody. But can you imagine God choosing him out of people <laughs> in the miraculous ways that God delivered Israel from that from coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea to the, through the wilderness to the edge of Canaan and then calling them to go into the land of Canaan and then you know them refusing essentially by to see things by faith and they turned back and they dwelled in the wilderness 40 years <laughs> and then God brought the nation of Israel that next generation he brought them into the land of Israel and no army could stand before them it didn't matter if they fought the Anakims or or any other set of giants nobody could stand before them you know, they slaughtered, you know, uh, multitudes of people. And by the way, whenever I say that, I always feel like I have to say it wasn't just Israel's deliverance into the land. It was also that land's judgment that God was bringing on them. God says that, that, that he hadn't delivered them sooner out of Egypt. And I'm misquoting this, I'm sure, because the iniquity of the Canaanites was not yet full. So he wasn't just giving the, that land as a reward to Israel. He was judging those nations. And so that's that's part of what was going on there. But God did all that. He brought Israel into the land of Canaan. And uh, just just to wrap this up quickly, try to wrap it up quickly, is uh, that that first generation of Israelites that came into the land, the Bible says the next generation forgot God. The very next generation. And here's here's my point, is that, uh, you know, to think about any other pictures of, of, of someone being unthankful. <laughs> There's no greater picture than how good God has been to any people on earth. And for God to hold out his hand, the Bible says all day long, <laughs> all day long, God holds out his hand. Listen, I don't, don't think this is an anti-Israelite. There's, that's not what this is about. <laughs> I think that if it had been us, it had been us. We, we would have been ingracious or, or ungrateful. Uh, but regardless, God holds out his hand and the people are not grateful. They're not even acknowledged. Listen, that is our world today. God is still good.
to this entire world. But let's not talk about just the world. God's been good to America. God has been so good. And like Miss Marie was saying, you know, the weather in California is beautiful. You're not the first Californian I've heard say that. <laughs> uh, Miss uh, Sam. Yeah, she, she, anyway, so uh, the God has been good to this nation. God has shown us so much tender love and care and blessings. Blessings after blessings after blessings after blessings. And what is the state of many Americans today? It's, it's not unfair to say, is it most Americans today, is it? Isn't that the state of our country? Most Americans today not only are, aren't saved, but most of them, Robbie, you were sharing with us, was it last Wednesday night, that now it's over 50% aren't even claiming an affiliation with God of any kind? When I was a kid, it was like 85% or something, at least claimed God, you know, some form of the God of heaven. Listen, most Americans today are not thankful to the God of heaven for the blessings on this nation. It's our job as Christians to say every blessing is from God. Every good thing, every deliverance, every help. You know, I, I sometimes I look at World War II and I wonder how much uh, has been changed in our textbooks or whatever. Uh, Great Britain was the, the one place that turned the Third Reich away. They were the ones that, that was the unconquerable land. They got there, but you look at that and even their survival was pretty miraculous. Anybody familiar with the Battle of Britain? It's pretty much an air war. <laughs> Do you know what they had? They had handfuls of Spitfires and Hurricanes against this legion of bombers and fighters. You know, I, I, I look at these things and, and I, I don't hear a lot of God answered our prayers. I, I, please someone correct me if I'm, if I'm not right, because I'd like to be corrected if it's not true. But I hear very little of praise about what God did. I hope it's our t- history books that are wrong. Because, listen, that was miraculous. Just those, those, those uh, British soldiers making it from Dunkirk across the English Channel was a miracle. Hitler's Reich was the most evil place on earth at that time. And Italy and Japan were right there with him. But, listen, God delivered Britain. But I don't hear a lot of praises about, has anybody, does anybody know better than me? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I was an expert on history. But... Anyway, I look at that and I think, man, that was miraculous. And and then everything, you know. Anyway, I'm I'm uh, yes, sir. Not to change the subject, but you made a statement. You said that the world is this, the world is that. Yeah. We as Christians are are so quick to say, well, look at Israel did, look at they did. Right. They were blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. Amen. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's what I was probably clumsily saying. <laughs> so, I mean, when we see the world, we're like, well, look at them. No, no, yeah. don't look at them. Don't look at them. God has blessed me. I know that. Yes, sir. Beyond measure, and I sin. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, that's that's the point I'm, I'm, I'm probably all very... All the time, like, hey, don't let me be that fool. Yeah, amen. That's 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 part of what I'm trying to say is that we don't need to be that guy. We need to be the one that's giving praise to God. And this is this is the point that we're getting at is that in Romans 10:21, but to Israel he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hands into a disobedient and gainsaying people. We don't want to be the one that is ungrateful. We want to be the ones that are giving glory to God, giving praise to God. And uh, anyway, that's 
that's back to Psalm 119, verse 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. We don't want to be, and Albie, you, you pretty much tied things off for us. We don't want to be the people that are ungrateful. We don't want the children of God of this generation to be the ones that are quiet. We want to be the ones that are giving praise to God for all that he's done. Robbie? Right. You know, complain and, and you know, or you've done something gone above and beyond yeah. them, but they act out, you know. We as parents have that feeling of can't believe this is going on. So yeah. I, I know it's just putting in perspective how God Yeah. Because he relates Absolutely and, and Absolutely. It's and probably a good thing for a father to know, to extend your hand all day, all the day long. Yeah. Even though it's great. Well, and you know, one thing that, you know, there have been times where I've, I've been frustrated. And, and listen, I, I know how imperfect, you know, my perception is so much of the time. But in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 6, I think it is. Isaiah 1. Nope, that ain't it. 18. Yeah. <laughs> nope, that ain't it. <laughs> um it's in there, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that God had God said that He had raised Him up children, and they had rebelled against Him. You know, so if God, the perfect Father, if God, you know, the one who didn't make any mistakes, you know, was good and gracious, and that that's, that goes right along with everything we've talked about tonight, is God's faithfulness. You know, then we shouldn't be surprised. That uh, that we sometimes have to deal with uh, ungrateful kids, <laughs> but listen, like Melissa says often, that you know, kids, it's it's what is it, 25, where they say the mind is developed <laughs> uh, to the most it's going to. You know, I think we expect too much sometimes, because I know when I was young, I was about as uh, silly as you could be, huh? We we were we- brain dead. Brain dead. <laughs> uh, I, I think I started calling my dad and apologizing about about 30. <laughs> wow, Dad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, Pastor, maybe you'll be getting some calls. Maybe we will. <laughs> maybe we'll all be getting calls. <laughs> and so, anyway, we 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 need to be the voice of uh, of uh, testifying. God has been good. God has been good to me. He's been good to our country. He's been good to the world. He is going to be good to the future. God is good. That's the bottom line. And so we'll uh, go ahead and close right there. My alarm went off. It's 8 o'clock, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for, Lord, your faithfulness, Lord. Help us not to forget that. Help us not, not to be blinded by any of Satan's uh, efforts to disguise or to distort or twist the truth. But help, him, help us, Lord, to, to be thankful every day for your faithfulness. And we pray as Christians, you help us, Lord, to bring glory to you, praise your name, and uh, please help people to see see Christ in us, see your work being done in us, and help us to be your people. Please uh, bless everyone here tonight, every family represented here, and uh, please uh, meet our family's needs, and thank you for your goodness. Bless tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three, three quick things for you, go.